teacher said years ago, he said, I, the, the, prophecy, the prophecies are fulfilled. The only thing left now is to just listen for the trumpet. I'm listening, aren't you? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn to Romans chapter 7. As a part of our change up a little bit, we're, we're doing things a little bit different in, the, in our service, and I'm going to come and preach a little bit earlier, and then we're going to worship a little more at the end. And so the praise team will be coming back in a few moments, and we're going to go out of here worshiping the Lord. But I have had now for several months on my heart and in my spirit this one word that I shared with you at our Christmas party last week. And that one word is, I believe, going to be seen more clearly as we move forward through this year. Uh, And it is the word released. Released. God wants me to share with you that he wants you to be released. He wants you to be released from sin so that you can be available for service in the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to begin this series of messages in Romans chapter 7. And we're going to talk about the significance of what it means to be released from our sin. Romans chapter 7 verses 4 through 6. Romans chapter 7 verses 4 through 6. It says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now, will you say, but now? We are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, Father, I ask you to give me words that are anointed by your spirit. And I pray that you will give the listeners ears that will hear beyond the words of a human man. And in their spirit, they will connect with what it is that you are speaking to them this day. I thank you in advance for doing that, for I've asked it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to read that again, but I want to go to the New Living Translation Because it says it just a little bit differently and a little more clearly. Romans chapter 7, that's Corinthians, that will never work. Romans chapter 7, verse 4 through 6. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. And as a result of that, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now, 
We have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Boy, that sounds good to me. I don't know, maybe it comes out of my experience, but I grew up in a church environment that did not really release us from the law, but instead kind of held us bound to that. And it took me becoming an adult and a mature follower of Christ for me to ultimately understand that what God wants me to have is not another layer of bondage, but he wants me to have a new layer of freedom. We have enough bondage in this world we live in. We're bound by the clock. We're bound by our jobs. We're bound by our responsibilities. We're bound by what we must do and have to do all the time. God's not trying to place another layer of bondage on you. He came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. And so rather than putting a new layer of bondage on us, he desires to release us from that bondage and allow us to walk every day in a new sense of freedom. So today, I want to point out three things to you that I believe this passage of Scripture is talking about. Now, first of all, let's talk about the law. Now, we understand the law to be that which God gave humanity so that we could understand what his expectations of us are. He gave the law to Moses, and it really it began with the Ten Commandments as God began to share with Moses and write with his own finger what we now call the Ten Commandments. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. See, that word commandment just scares me off a little bit. It, it, it doesn't speak freedom to me. It speaks bondage to me. But if you'll remember a few weeks ago, I preached about what this word uh, commandment really means. When God sets a command in place, it's not to take away your free will. It's not to take away your ability to choose what you're going to do and how you're going to do. But when God sets a command in place, what he's trying to do is point you to a place where the good things of God can be realized in your life. In other words, what he's saying is, is that if you will do this, then I intend to do this on your behalf. So this is the commandment. You do this, I will do that. It's not about bondage, but it's about leading you to a place where you begin to live and think and act and move in a way that the things of God begin to materialize in you. And you just walk around blessed all the time because you're walking in the principles of God's word. And so that's really what he's talking about. So when we talk about the law, and Romans talks a lot about the law, there are three things that we need to understand about the law. And it is this. We need to understand the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? That's, a, that's the best way for me to say it so that you can remember it. The good part of the law is, is that it reveals sin according to Scripture. It reflects the heart of God to mankind, what we should do and what we should not do. 
It reveals sin. It lets us know that this attitude and this action, and if I follow this path, then it is going to lead me to a place of sin. We can't know what sin is unless God reveals to us what it is. We can't go based on what our flesh feels like because our flesh is iffy. It may feel good to us, but be contrary to the law of God. It may feel good in the flesh, but be contrary to the commandments of God. So we can't go by the flesh And we can't go by what somebody else says. We need to hear the heart of God about what is righteousness and what is not righteousness. And so he gives us the law. And it reveals sin. Now, not only is that the good part about the law, but there's a flip side to that. There's a bad side of the law. And that is because we are the kind of people that our mind thinks and processes... We think, okay, well, if I can just keep the Ten Commandments, I'm good to go. If I can just do these ten things on a regular basis, I'm good to go. But how many of you know that as history uh, began to be, be fulfilled, that man started adding to the law of God? And so they added this commandment, and they added that commandment. There were times in the Jewish world where they had to write the commandments on their physical body or on pieces of paper and keep it with them just so that they could refer to the, to the law in, in its complexity. And so what I'm saying to you today, if you're trying to serve God with a list of 10 things that you need to be doing, you'll never succeed in that. In fact, that's not even really what God wants you to do. He wants to give you a heart that will say, I'm not just going to do the things that the law says, but I'm going to follow with my new spirit the things of God as he convicts me and leads me. So the good part of the law is that it reveals sin. It reveals the heart of God to us as to what our attitudes and our actions should or should not be. The bad part of the law is that you can never attain it. You can never do it. It's impossible. Even the Apostle Paul, who is in the Superstar Hall of Fame when it comes to the Apostles, said something like this. The things that I would do, I don't do. And the things that I would not do, those are the things that I find myself doing. What he's saying is is that if you try to simply do what the law says to do, you will fail. But that's not what God is wanting you to do in the first place. That was not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to reveal sin, not give you a to-do list so that you could check it off on a daily basis and say, okay, I did pretty good today. I I did 8 out of 10 today. I did 7 out of 10. I, I feel pretty good about that. If that's all our relationship with God ever attains to, then it is not a very stable relationship. So there's the good, it reveals sin. There's the bad, you can never attain it and do it. And then there's what I'm calling the ugly. Because how many of you know the ugly can get ugly? I mean, it can get bad. And here's what happens when the ugly manifests. The ugly manifests when there are people in your life who try to point out to you your faults and your failures. 
it gets ugly when family members start saying things like, and I thought you were a Christian. And here you said this word, this nasty word. You banged your finger with a hammer and you said a bad word. You know what they're doing? They're trying to guilt you. They're trying to guilt you over your failure and it gets ugly. And then you got friends that say, well, you know, I would be a Christian if it weren't for hypocrites like you. You know, you're just a hypocrite. You say you're this and you say you're that. And why, why is that? It's because they're focused on keeping score about your life. They want to keep score and see whether or not you're winning or losing. They're not concerned about whether or not you're progressing in your walk of faith with Christ. They're only concerned about whether or not you fail. And it gets ugly. There are people who won't come to church because it gets ugly over what, what we should and should not be doing. I went to get a haircut yesterday. And when I went in, I sat down and, and they said, well, who are you? I said, I'm Rob. And they, and they said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a minister. Well, what do you do as a minister? I pastor. Where do you pastor? I pastor at Spirit Life Church right around the corner. Oh, we've heard of you. We, we've heard of you. And I said, okay, I'm a little nervous now. Because I don't know whether it's good, bad, or ugly. They said, well, we know this one, and we know that one, and we know this one, and we know that one, and they say this, and they say that, and they say this, and whatever. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I hope to the good Lord that you've been talking good about me. <laughs> but, but as it always does, it comes up about that church. You know what I'm talking about? I remember when that church, and I remember when this happened. And I went, you know what I do? I said, well, let me tell you something. I wasn't here during that season, during that time. But let me tell you something. I know that my God is a forgiving God who is able to forgive anyone, anything, anytime. And if we'll put our trust and our faith in him, he's not only able to forgive, but he is able to restore. And I said, I'd like to invite you to this church so that you can see what God is able to redeem. Amen. People are trying to keep score on you. They want to know whether you're doing good or whether you're doing bad. It's the, the law. And I'll tell you what gets even worse to me is when church leaders begin to beat up the sheep by preaching all the time hard messages that say you ought to be doing this and you ought to be doing that and you better stop doing this and start doing that or God is going to whip your backside. I hate it when somebody takes the pulpit and tries to accomplish that kind of correction from the pulpit. Now, don't get me wrong. Preachers need to preach the word of God. And they don't need to be intimidated by how people might take it. But you know what I'm talking. When there is a motive that is there that is so deep that I don't really care if you're blessed or not. All I want you to do is make sure you do these following things. Because if you don't do these following things, I'm going to be angry with you and I'm going to beat you to death 
by taking scripture out of context and using it against you in a way to manipulate you to do what I think you ought to be doing. Somebody ought to be shouting amen right there at that point. Because you see, it's not my job to police you. It's not my my job to put the law in you and on you. It's my job to point you to the fact that God has released us from the law. And we are free to walk in the freedom of the Spirit of God. When you start doing that, you won't need somebody to point their bony finger at you. And tell you how you're failing and where you're failing. And what your makeup ought to look like. And what your britches ought to look like. And what your dresses ought to look like. And what, how you ought to do this and how you ought to do that. Listen, when you get in love with Jesus Christ. And start following him with the right motivations. Uh, and allow his spirit to live and, and move you. And, and cause you to draw closer to him. You won't have to worry about the outward appearance of the law because he's going to free you and release you in the spirit. So the law is good, the law is bad, and the law can be ugly. Amen? But right in the middle of all of this, there's this word that just jumps off the page to me. And it is that word released. Notice what the scripture says. It says in verse 6, but now we have been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now, what does now mean? It means now, right now, not in the future, not last week. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Can you say praise the Lord for that? So what does it mean to be released? Well, I I, I Googled it. Aren't you proud of me? I know how to Google stuff. It's good stuff. Here's what Google says about this word released. It means To release or be released means to allow or enable to escape from confinement or to set free. Now, if you're confined, it means that you have limited or restricted movement. You have something that is preventing you from from moving in the spirit. For some of you, it may be your tradition. For some of you, it may be fear. For some of you, it may be that somebody said something to you years ago or about you that has held you in a spirit of bondage, fear, anger, frustration for years and years. Let me say this with all the love that I can muster. There comes a time. When you have to be willing to shake off those chains of bondage and get released in the spirit to go back to that place where God intends you to be. It doesn't matter what someone thinks of you or says to you or says about your talent or says about your looks or says about anything in your life. The only thing that matters is what does my God and my Savior think of me? That's where I need to live and walk. And to be released means that I can escape 
from that confinement and I find myself living every day in a spirit of freedom and liberty. And let me tell you something, church. Freedom is always better than bondage. Every time. And then it goes on to say, That to be released means to allow something to move, act, or flow freely. In other words, there's no obstacles in the way. There's a freedom in life. There's a freedom of anointing. There's a freedom in what you're trying to accomplish in life. There's a freedom that takes place. Can I... Aaron, would you give me permission to tell about your second throwaway car? Could I do that? This, let, me, let me just give you an example. How many of you know that sometimes life throws us limits? Sometimes we get up and we think everything's going to be great today and then we go through life and stuff happens. Such was the life of my daughter and her husband and her family just a few days ago. When a car that she had been driving, a throwaway car that she had bought about two or three years ago, finally bit the dust and died. And they had just gotten a vehicle, and now they were without a vehicle, and somebody was going to have to walk to work. And it wasn't going to be either one of them. (laughs) So they found themselves with a need for another car, a throwaway car. She said, I don't want to go in debt. I want to be able to pay cash for it. Now, I've taught the kids that. You know, I've taught, you know, look, anything you can pay cash for, when you drive it home or or you get it home, it's yours. It belongs to you. You're released from the bondage of debt when you're able to live like that. She said, "I I don't want a car payment. I don't want to do that. They couldn't find a car that they could afford to pay cash for. And so they begin to pray. I, said, I asked her, I said, have you prayed about it? She said, yeah. I said, pray about it some more. Let's pray. And we begin to pray about it. She prayed about it. I prayed about it. Justin prayed about it. Donna prayed about it. And here's the thing. Justin said, he said, I've always wanted to drive a Ford Escape. He said, I don't know what it is. I just always wanted to drive a Ford Escape. And they had just bought a Ford Escape. And so they're looking for a second vehicle, and she's driving to Mount Washington to look at a vehicle that they saw listed on the internet or in the paper, whatever. whatever. They don't make newspapers anymore, do they? They just (laughs) fold those up and put them in the fireplace to start fires with. On her way to Mount Washington, sitting on the right-hand side of the road, is a Ford Escape with a sign on it that says, for sale. She pulls in. She goes over, she looks at it, she drives it, she calls Justin, she said, what do you think? And he said, buy it, and she bought it, and she paid cash for it, and they have no second car payment, and here's the thing I'm telling you, it's because God has put a blessing in their life because they are tithers and givers And they bless God and give God what is rightfully his. And when you do that, then God says, oh, you just wait and see what kind of a blessing that I am going to pour out upon you. 
Now, what I'm saying to you is, is that when we walk in this kind of release, then God allows us to move and act and things in our lives flow freely toward blessing, even when we have difficult challenges and circumstances to face. The challenge is meant to stop us from being blessed, but people who are walking in release just walk right over the top of the challenge and walk to the blessing that God has in store for them. So to be released means to move, to act, or to flow freely. And then the final thing that Google said is it means to allow something to return to its resting position by ceasing to put pressure on it. See, as a pastor, I can choose to either put pressure on you or I can release you to live in Christ by the Spirit the way that God intends for you to. And that absence of pressure allows you to find that groove where God wants you to be so that you can move in the groove. You get it? God wants to direct you toward blessing. And so rather than putting bondage on you, he puts release upon you so that you can walk in the spirit and drive your car in the spirit and see your blessing sitting on the side of the road because the spirit of God has led you and directed to you at that place at that moment in time so that blessing can become apparent in your life. So there's that great word released. Now, here's the problem. So many think you don't deserve release. You say, well, I'm in bondage, but it's my own fault. I'm in bondage because it's something that I said or I did. Then what you need to know today is that God is able to forgive that. And he is able to move you from that place to a place where you can live in a spirit of having been released. Released. Now there's one other thing. Let, let me summarize those three def- definitions. You're going to put that up there, John? I want you to see this. So to summarize, to be released is to be set free to move, act, and flow freely without exertion or pressure. That's what God wants for you. Doesn't mean there won't be challenges. But it just means that when you see the challenge, you say, okay, God, give me the proper tool here that I can use to overcome this challenge. The devil thinks he's going to put so much pressure on me that I'll never be able to make it through. But I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who lives and dwells in me. Be released. Now, there's one other thing that I want you to see from this passage of Scripture. We've talked about the law. We've talked about the release. Now, I want want to talk to you about the service. Again, notice verse 6. Well, first of all, look at verse 4. It says, so, my dear brothers, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. Who do you think that would be? You're right. It was Jesus. 
It says, I am united with him. I'm on his team. He is the coach of my team. He's the most valuable player of my team. I'm united with him. And then he says, as a result, we can now produce a harvest of good deeds for God. What is that? That's service. Now look at verse 6. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Isn't that good news? Now let me explain to you what that's talking about. When we come to Christ, When we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we talk about serving him. So what does that mean? Well, everything that we do, we do with him in mind because we are united with him. We are a team. So what I say, what I do, what I think over time becomes a service to the expansion of the kingdom of God within me and in my realm of influence. And so I serve him in everything that I do. So here's what it looks like. When I live in the spirit, then it is the spirit to motivate me to read my Bible. Now, I know a lot of you, the last few days you've seen, I've been posting on there, get your app out, get it ready. We're going to read through the Bible. I know that some of you don't like reading plans, but I advocate them for several reasons because it keeps you on track. It encourages the body of Christ to, to, to have devotions together that we're like-minded. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's up to you. But I advocate it for several reasons. But if you feel this pressure, oh my dear goodness, I'm going to read my Bible this morning. If I don't, I'm going to hear something from the pastor. I know he's going to come to me and say, have you been reading your Bible? And we feel this sense of pressure. So what we do is we provide opportunities for you to do what will be beneficial for you to do, but it's your choice to do it. Let me tell you about Donna. She, she loves this. I, I've been asking her, I said, you got your app ready? Why? You going to read the Bible with us? Why are you asking? You think I don't read the Bible? Are you going to read the Bible with us or not? I said, you know, you can read it or listen to it, one or the other. She said, get off my back, Okay. I'm going to read the Bible, okay? I'm going to do it. I walked down by the bathroom where she was inside the shower, showering and cleaning herself up. And she had her phone in the bathroom and she had it on audio and was listening to the Bible while she was taking a shower. Now that is dedication to the Word of God. Can I just be honest with you? I've struggled this year for some reason. Me, your pastor. I've struggled with this one issue. And that is having faith. Is it okay for me to be open with you today? I remember coming here five years ago and I was ready to kick ten devils. I was fired up, ready to go. It was a hard journey. I knew it, but I was prepared. I was ready. This past year, I found it hard to believe God for a bowl of butter beans. 
I mean, everything that I found myself facing, it was like, oh, God. I'm so sick of having to deal with this. Or I'm so tired, or I don't know. God, is there any hope at all? And finally, not long ago, I asked the Lord, I said, why am I struggling with faith? He said, because you've stopped reading the Bible for yourself. And you've only been reading the word to prepare sermons and teachings for the congregation. And he said, there's a difference. He said, you can feed other people all day long, but if you don't feed yourself, you're going to die. Read the word. Why? Because the scripture says, faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now, I won't need you this week to come follow me around and say, are you reading the Bible? Are you reading the Bible? I want to know, are you reading the Bible? I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm going to do what God has inspired me to do because it's the Spirit that inspires me. I tithe and I give. Because I'm motivated in my spirit to do it. I made up my mind last year. I was not going to beg you for your tithe and offering. And I was not going to bug you about it either. I've given you opportunities. We've got boxes on the wall. You can do it online on the website or in the church app. Or if you want to, you can just bring it to the church and slip it under Erling's door. I don't care how you do it. I'm not going to police you about it. It's a principle of the word of God. And if you want to be blessed in your finance, you're going to have to submit yourself to tithing and giving. But I'm not going to beat you up over it. You can choose to do it or not. And see, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the law where preachers get up and spend 15, 20 minutes raising money to keep the lights on instead of creating an atmosphere where people can come in and stand in the presence of a holy God and be blessed by him and bless him back. You'll want to pay tithe and give because the Spirit of God will motivate you to do what God has asked you to do. See what I'm saying? Spirit inspires me to pray. You ever gone to your prayer closet and thought, oh God, what I'm going to pray about today now? I've already prayed for them a hundred times. They ain't going to do nothing about it anyway, so I'll just skip them. And prayer becomes a thing of the law. It becomes a righteous requirement Instead of a relationship with a loving God. Listen, I love to have conversations with my wife. I love to sit with her and drink a cup of coffee and just talk about things. That's what prayer is. But if somebody has to burn you up over it, then it will not be an enjoyable experience. It will be just another law. The Spirit causes me to anticipate coming to church. The Spirit moves me to forgive. I'm just going to let that marinate in you for just a minute. Forgive. I don't want to forgive. But God says you must. God says you must set them free from the offense so that you can be free from the offense. 
But if I stand up here and every Sunday just beat you and beat you and beat you and beat you, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, you won't want to forgive anybody. But when you get in your spirit that when I was unlovable and when I was undeserving, Christ forgave me. Do you remember a couple weeks ago I preached to you about Peter coming to Jesus? And he said to Jesus, he said, how often should I forgive? Seven times? You remember me telling you the significance of seven times? In the Jewish law, it was required that you forgive three times in a, in a day. Three times. So Peter was saying, I will give three times, double it, and add one. How about that, Jesus? Jesus said, I don't say seven times. I say 70 times seven. What's he saying? Now, some of you mathematicians out there, and some of those who like to live according to the law, you'd say 70 times seven, 490 times. I'm going to forgive you 490 times. But on 491, I'm kicking you. I'm done. Because I'm living by the letter of the law where the spirit of the law says I love you so much that I'll forgive you as many times as it takes because I'm more concerned about our relationship than about being right you see the difference one promotes a law that is definite another one promotes a spirit which is led by God and can change in any given situation. So what I want you to see this year and what I want for you and what I believe God for for you is that you won't live your life in Christ based on the letter of the law, but that you'll get up every day and say, God, it's a new day. It's a clean slate. I want to walk in your spirit. Your word says that it is in you that I live and move and have my existence. Let every movement be according to your spirit. Let every word glorify your name. Let every action be according to your plan for my life. Release me from the bondage of sin so that I can be of service to you. Will you stand with me this morning?